Hush, hush, sit down, sit down, class. Today's lesson is about Tosfia the Wicked. She wasn't always known as wicked, and it's important to understand where she came from to know why she ended up a servant of the witch goddess. In the beginning of Fenrir's history, there were two gods and two goddesses, the wolf, the elf, the mermaid, and the witch. We've touched on them in lessons before, but we're going to just focus on Jakari and Morska, the elf and the mermaid, as you're already aware. Jakari was a proud god, but also conceited. His ego was the biggest of the four, and despite being given the gift of creation, he didn't choose to make more elves. Instead, he made Fenins, the world's humans. It was very important to Jakari that he was the only elf. He felt this uniqueness would make him more appealing to the Fenins. While Jakari created more people that would populate Fenrir's lands, Mosca gave birth to the life around it, mostly aquatic creatures and plants. These details you should already know, but now we will discuss the time before they vanished. Minus Aradia, who was the most mysterious of the four, Jakari, Marska, and Enror were living in the era of peace. Details on Aridia's intentions in this time were scarce. Actually, information about Aridia in general is typically hard to come by, because even we're hesitant to go into the Deadlands. Enor often kept his distance from the other gods, and thus stayed primarily on the western half of Fenrir. He was a god of war and battle, and a peaceful time left him with not much to do. In contrast, a peaceful time was a perfect opportunity for Jakari and Morska to thrive. This led to the two of them spending more time together, as events on Fenrir were often linked to both of them at the same time. Their worshippers grew in droves, and many Fenins considered them the reason for such a joyous time on Fenrir. It was also during this time that Jakari and Morska fell in love. I'll spare you the intimate details, but the product of this love was Tosfia. Tosfia had qualities from both her godly parents, the elf ears of her father and the greenish-blue skin of her mother, the charm of the elf god and the ability to command the seas like the mermaid goddess. This made her a much-loved goddess, as well as one that could help a land prosper. However, even though Fenrir was thriving, life was not peaceful nor perfect for Tasfia from the moment she was born. Her selfish father resented the fact that she was born with ears akin to him, thus making him the only elf on Fenrir no longer. Despite how ridiculous that may sound, it immediately put a rift between Jakari and Morska, and the mermaid goddess was forced to raise Tasfia primarily on her own. As Tasfia got older, interactions with Jakari were often quick and rather awkward for Tasfia. After a while, she stopped trying to get to know him. This didn't really make much of a difference in her life until the vanishing of the gods and goddesses we mentioned earlier began to take place. 
Morska was the first to disappear, and Tasfia had been helping Morska fulfill her godly duties. When it became known that Morska was missing, Jakari made his way into the territories that worshipped Morska and took her place. This made it difficult for Tasfia to find her place now that her mother was missing. Unsure of what to do next and without her father to turn to, Tasfia made her way south to seek answers. It was then that she found herself in the kingdom of Ilfor. Before King Shah, there were many kings who ruled in Ilfor. The one ruling during this time was King Gavin. The kingdom of Ilfor had been struggling long before Gavin's reign, and he was finding it hard to bring Ilfor to a prosperous state. Then, one day, Tasfia entered Ilfor, under a guise made of mist, another ability passed on from her mother, pretending to be a simple traveler. She wanted to assess the situation for herself and make sure her father had no influence in Ilfor. Gavin was a man of the people, so Tasfia had a direct interaction with the king in which she explained to him that she was there seeking shelter, but understood if none was available with Ilfor in such a dire state. King Gavin then offered her shelter without hesitation, offering lodgings within his own castle if need be. This was a generosity that King Gavin was known for, but the kind that Tasfia had little experience with. The gesture gave Tasfia a bit of hope for the future of Fenrir. The following day, Tasfia revealed her true self to the king and explained to him that if Ilfor chose to worship her, that she would give them the prosperity they needed. In desperation, King Gavin agreed, though the way they decided to go about it was slow and steady. Tasfia would begin making preparations to make Ilfor more profitable and successful using the gifts of creation passed from her parents. King Gavin would not directly state that it was Tasfia's doing for some time, but eventually he would let it be known and the praise of the new goddess in Ilfor began to stir among Fenrir. The fate of the gods and goddesses that had gone missing would not skip over poor Tasfia, but it would be much longer before she would go missing. Once King Shah was the ruler of Ilfor, things began to change, and the inevitable war of the north put King Shah in a state of panic. Tasfia did her job for Ilfor well, and they became less reliant on her as time passed. They kept her close in the event of something bad happening, but as King Shah became more and more paranoid, he started to blame Tasfia for some of their shortcomings. As his concerns grew and the paranoia consumed him, he made it law that people could no longer worship Tasfia in Ilfor. The sudden betrayal devastated Tasfia and reminded her of her not-so-pleasant beginnings and the cruelty of her own father. Tasfia left Ilfor and headed west to some uninhabited lands near the coast. She grew more and more distant from Fenins, and the loneliness took its toll on her. The more time she spent with her own thoughts, the more despair and anger crept in. The kindness of King Gavin was a distant memory, and a newfound hatred for all Fenins. This left Tesfia with only one solution, a place on Fenrir that no Fenin would voluntarily go, the Deadlands. 
Assuming since the other gods and goddesses were gone from Fenrir, that Aradia too must be gone. Tesfia made her way into the bog. It didn't take long for adventurers and mercenaries alike to tell tales of a monster seen in the distance on the outskirts of the bog. The silhouette of the monster that they saw through the fog had pointed ears of an elf. There were rare moments when it would be seen on the land just before the bog and its skin was a greenish-blue color. And rumors say that on those rare moments when it would venture out some foolish fenins would try to interact with the creature. We've discussed in class before that the lining of the bog is covered in bones and bones can be seen floating in the bog itself. Many believe those bones belong to the unfortunate enough to catch Tesfia the Wicked on one of those visits to the mainland.